Hello, everyone. How are you doing today? This is Joe, and I'm with my good friend, Dan. Dan, say hello. Hello, and welcome back to the Woodhounds podcast, the number one rated podcast in the world <laughs> on Firewood. That is, <laughs> is going to be a recurring theme, I think, with our podcast. Yes, indeed. We are, the, we are the number one rated Firewood podcast in the world. Yes, and I would, uh, on that topic, I'd like to give a big shout out to all our fellow Woodhounds over there in Ireland across the pond listening in. So, you know, there's some wild ones out there. They're all over. I can speak from experience that I think uh, for my YouTube channel, I have, I think, over 50 countries that uh, regularly uh, listen listen to my channel. Yeah. Yeah, so so the the podcast, I think, you know, like you said, it's it's the number one firewood podcast in the world. <laughs> yeah, and it's great to be uh, connecting with all of you out there, all you woodhounds around the world. Yeah, and even though we are known as the woodhounds here in the podcast universe, we are just but two because the whole world is just populated with woodhounds everywhere. We're just ha- and we're happy to be here and and uh, bring this podcast to you. And if you're listening right now and you're wondering, am I a woodhound? You just stay tuned. In one of these episodes, we'll get into that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, if, um, if if you are new to the channel, thank you for tuning in. If you are a regular listener, thank you for coming back. It means a lot to us. My name is Joe, and I am a small YouTube channel. Uh, known as Ohio Woodburner, and my good friend Dan sitting across from me here at Woodhound Studio. I am uh, I am also a small YouTube channel uh, under the title of Back Forty Firewood. Yeah, when you say small, I kind of smile because you're not a small channel. Oh, I'm small <laughs> <laughs> in the grand scheme of YouTube channels. I still consider myself yeah. small. Uh, not in the firewood niche. I don't think either one of us are small. I think we yeah. do pretty good. Yeah, we do. But when you think, uh, you know, cause there are channels out there, you know, that, and the, what people try to do in YouTube is they try to monetize and they can make money from the ads that run on the channel. Um, and I don't know, well, I do know of some channels out there that make life changing money. You know, yes, uh, and I know, <laughs> I know that I do not. So, <laughs> same here. I do not. I wouldn't yeah. mind. I yeah, wouldn't. Mind I wouldn't. It. I would not call it chump change. No, uh, but it is. You know, I'll take it. But I, it is not life changing. You know, it's nothing to where I could um, quit what I'm doing and just uh, drive around in my Maserati. Uh, right. We still, we still got a ways to go for that. But every every channel that is on YouTube, you know, they all start somewhere and you always start with your first subscriber and you start small and you build. And, you know, it's kind of like with firewood when you're getting into firewood, whether you're making it for yourself or you're making it to sell, you start small. And, you know, when you started out, Joe, what were some of the things that you had or that you think people maybe should have when they start getting into firewood? Yeah. Well, I will tell you what I don't have and what I did not have. And that was 
a poof machine. <laughs> <laughs> and that would be this it's I one day I'm going to invent this and I'm going to and I'm going to rule the world. It's a machine and it has a button on it and you push it and and poof anything that you have ever need is now right in front of you. Nice. You need well, a <laughs> stack of firewood, push the button. Poof, poof. there it is. Well, when you when you get that prototype done, I will uh, be your uh, user acceptance testing person. <laughs> yeah, but because I did not have a poof machine, um, you know, I got into firewood to as a way to heat our house. We we bought this house and it sits out in the middle of a cornfield, and we got a good deal on it because the guy, whoever was building it, walked away from it. So we, you know, it was half built. But what we didn't know was the house wasn't on the gas line. And we, we started heating with propane. You know, we, when we got our first bill, we were like, oh, my God, we can't afford to heat this house. And, you know, we're making the kids do jumping jacks to stay warm. And we, <laughs> we so I started looking for different ways to heat. And, you know, that's where I found these outdoor wood furnaces. And that's how I got my start. But, again, what yeah. I didn't know. I didn't know was just how hungry these things are. They they use a lot of firewood, and that's what got me into firewood. But I began probably the same way that most people do. I call it a pooling and a pickup. <laughs> <laughs> I had a pickup truck, and I had a Walmart pooling chainsaw, and I got my start. Yeah. Well, that's, I, I grew up on a farm where we heated with firewood. So from the day that I could walk and be outside, my dad would make, you know, firewood in the fall to be burning the next year. And, and so then I just, you know, gradually when I built this house, I'm like, that's the one thing I wanted was to be able to heat with wood because I saw the efficiency in it as far as not having to pay a propane or a natural gas bill. But I as well have an outdoor wood boiler, and they eat a lot of wood. <laughs> yeah, they really do. What what tools did you get started with? You know, I, w I would imagine you had a chainsaw. Uh, yes, my dad had a chainsaw, and he had a um, old like a big box store uh, splitter. You know, just a real slow. Uh, right. I think it was 28 ton. Um, it would go vertical for the big stuff and that was it. And then obviously being on a farm, we had tractors, you know, and, and such to move wood around. But yeah, it, it was just chainsaw. We'd go out in the woods in our back 40 um, and <laughs> we would, you know, cut up trees that had come down and process them into firewood. Mm -hmm. Do you know how old you were when you first ran a chainsaw? When I first ran a chainsaw, I do I do not know how old I was. Um, I think it was in high school sometime, like maybe junior senior year. Um, All right, so not like not like ten then. No, no, no. no but I, you were out there stacking. Yes, as a ten year. I was. That was the thing growing up. I mostly did a lot of the stacking. <laughs> uh huh. Would you guys split your firewood or would you just leave it in round? Nope. We split everything and we'd stack it along um, our one big shed and then along the barn. And then in the winter when we were using it, we could only bring so much into the house at once. So that was another chore of mine was to go out uh, and bring wood in and fill up the basement with wood. 
Mm-hmm. When I got my start, now I did, you know, we, we would go out when I was a little boy, we would go out and get firewood and we had a little top handle chainsaw that we used, nothing major. When we started firewood here at the house that we live at, I, you know, I went and picked up a couple Walmart pooling chainsaws and they're 12 inch, 12 inch saws. The thought with the outdoor wood furnace was you can cut your wood longer and usually if it fits in the hole of the door, it's going to burn. So I had a, you know, my saw had a 12 inch bar and that's really about the max that I ever cut and I never split anything. So I would just have an entire woodshed of rounds, never split anything. Yeah. And it wasn't until I bought my first real chainsaw. It was a Husqvarna 455 Rancher and I still have it. Uh, I had a longer bar and that's when I needed to start splitting wood. And, you know, I, I got a mall (laughs) and I, yeah. And I learned about splitting wood. You know, I enjoyed doing that. I enjoyed splitting wood with a mall for about five minutes (laughs) (laughs) and and then I didn't feel like doing it anymore. And, um, I thought if I am to keep this up, I need to get a splitter. And that's what I did. I went out and bought a, um, a, a Troy built, 27 ton hydraulic splitter yep yeah once you start burning and you realize how much you burn and then you start thinking about how much you need to make for the next year the mall and the wedges and the axes are like oh yeah i gotta Mm -hmm. replace i gotta replace those (laughs) there are people out there that just live you know to split with an axe split with a mall yep and that's just their thing. And man, I watch a couple of them on, on YouTube videos and geez, I get my back hurts watching them. Yeah. Uh, splitting like that. But that's, you know what, to each their own. But I, um, you know, if <laughs> I can't help but think, you know, as you get older, you, that's got to have an effect on your joints with all that impact and that shock going through your elbows and right. your shoulders and all. So. Yeah, yeah, and that's enter the hydraulic splitter. Right. That's that's where that really makes it well, it makes it easier as far as the splitting. Um with some splitters, you know, you still have to get those big rounds up on there. So Right. Well, most of these, you know, we call them the big box splitter. And you know, that is and it's like an I-beam with a toe plate and a and a knife that's on the ram. Yep. And what's and it's run with a little lawnmower engine. And the benefit of them is you can pick them up to vertical. They're on a hinge. So if you do have large pieces, you can roll it up to it and not have to pick them up off the ground. Yep. But a person that has a log splitter like that, you learn eventually (laughs) that splitting vertically, I think, is harder on your body than it is picking it up, you know, and, and doing it while you're standing up because you're squatted, you know, it's hurting your knees and your hips and your back. Right. You're uh, bent over running the, uh, running the lever. That's the one thing I always remember is I'd stand there bent over running that lever up and down, you know, and after a few minutes you'd stand up and your lower back was just, you know, tight and just so. Yeah. <laughs> and that's where I think, you know, when we're talking about the equipment for firewood, you know, you people, I think evolve now, I think for people that just, make a cord or a few each year i think that type of splitter is all you need um yep. but that is also 
the one thing that was my blind spot when I got into this was I thought that was the only kind of splitters there there are. <laughs> and 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 that is not the case. There is all kinds of dis- different splitters out there. There are electric ones, you know, that split both directions. There's big ones and little ones. There right. are a professional grade where, I mean, they can just knock out and split wood in the blink of an eye. And then there's the kinetic type splitters that don't even use hydraulics. There's just this whole universe of splitters out there. Right. And it's, and mm-hmm. that's where I think when you, you know, with firewood, you almost get into that crossroads of, are you only making firewood for yourself or if you, are you making it to also sell? And when you start thinking about selling, and mass producing, that's when I think you start searching and finding those mm-hmm. more commercial grade splitters or the higher output machines or even like your your super splitter. I mean, that thing can really split a lot of wood quick. Yeah, yeah. If if you people don't know what a super splitter is, it's a kinetic splitter and it really it's just um it uses kinetic power, two flywheels and a rack and pinion, and it has, you know, a two second cycle time. And it's a different way of splitting wood. And it's, you know, every, I think every tool has its strengths and its weaknesses and it's can, there's not a tool that can do everything. So, you know, like where the hydraulic splitters have a reputation of being super slow, uh, but they can split anything. The kinetic splitters have a reputation of being super fast, but they struggle on some challenging logs. But that's where I think it gets to what what are you doing? You know, what, what are you doing with firewood? And I think too, everyone is probably on the same path or has been on that same path where, you know, there, there is a level of fun and satisfaction <laughs> of making firewood. Otherwise, I don't think anyone would do it. And to be able to provide, you know, I think you get down to some primal, um, uh, benefits yep. <laughs> from from being able to have the ability to go harvest firewood and prepare it and have it ready for the winter time because it's a lot of work right and you need and you need to spend money on tools yeah and pro and if you really get down the brass tacks you've probably spent more on a chainsaw if <laughs> some of them are pricey you know, oh, that, I know, you, I know. <laughs> that you may, that you could have bought an entire year's worth of natural gas, right? you know, for, for one saw, depending on how big your house is. So that's why I think is the, that appeal with firewood is, you know, it, that the wood, okay, has an appeal to it, but I think it's also the tools. Right. And it's not just the tools that make noise, you know, with gasoline engines. Um, you know, there's a lot of other, you know, tools out there that support you know like a hookeroon a pickeroon a pv oh yeah have you and ever used those before that was one of the one of the first tools in that category that i that i bought was the logox and let me tell you what a game changer that was uh-huh. as far as saving my back from picking up rounds moving rounds you know from if you if you you know fell a tree down in the woods and you buck it up right there and you have to carry the rounds say out to your truck or your trailer, I mean that thing made it a, made it so much better. But uh-huh. I haven't used a pickaroon, so I'm not sure how those are. But yeah, the PVs, the cant hooks, you know, moving right. logs around. Yeah, all those hand tools are to me essential. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I have a hookeroon. 
and I have a PV. And if our listeners don't know, a hookeroon is like a stick with a metal spike on the end of it. And you and you can sink it into a piece of wood and pick it up and drag it. You, it saves your back where you don't have to like bend down and pick something up. A PV or a cant hook, there are subtle differences between the two, but they really do the same thing. It's just a long pole with this menacing looking hook on the end of it. (laughs) And you can like grab a big long log, like a telephone pole laying on the ground and it becomes a lever and you can roll it. Roll it over. Yeah. So I have those tools. And then I also got the log ox too, uh, that I showed on my channel and man, it's a popular tool. And what a log ox is guys, is it's like a three in one, but now it's a four in one tool where you don't have to buy all these extra tools it, it all comes in one and, and it really works when i first used it i could not believe the you know how easy it was to use and like you said that's it's multiple tools in one it's it's both the i don't know how you would describe the the main tool of it it's not a it's like a cant hook on with a short handle like a yeah I, and- <laughs> you know like it's not a it's not a pv it's not really a pv it's not a Hookaroon, mm-hmm. pickaroon, and you it, use that hook to pick it up with. Yep. Uh huh. Yeah. I um. So I really don't think if you have the tools, you may not need the log ox. And then if you have the log ox, you may not need the other tools. And like I said, I have both. And really, where I think, um, that where you can differentiate between them, I think. If you just make wood in one single location, like if you have a wood yard, I think having the individual tools makes more sense. Uh, yeah. I think if you are the type that where you go out into the woods to cut up trees and load up your truck and come home, I think it makes more sense to have the log ox. Now, you can't go wrong with either one. They're both, they're all great. Uh, but that's where I think, because I think, you know, if I'm going to be working in my wood yard all the time, it might become, you know, a pain after a while to have to switch the log ox from can't hook mode, <laughs> yep. you know, to, to log ox mode. So uh, I would rather just have the individual tools because they're, they're handy. You can just sink them right into the ground where you're at. You don't even have to lay them onto the ground. You don't have to bend over to pick them up. Uh, they just work out nice like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Changing between the different modes or variations of the log ox you know it it you don't want to have to be doing that you know over and over and over again mm-hmm. i will say this from experience too <laughs> i think a very very small number of people who are regular firewood um you know producers and i, I mean anyone with a pool in and a pickup truck that's going out into the woods i think a very small number of them have a log ox or a hookeroon or a PV. Cause I never did. Right. I would have, uh, it just seemed like it was too much money to spend, but man, after having one, Oh, <laughs> it yep. does. It makes your life so much easier. That hookeroon, uh, that is one of the greatest inventions of all time. I could not imagine living without one right now. That's Anyone I've ever, showing that to and demonstrated it and then had them use it they immediately were like this is amazing i need to get yeah one. and it's such a simple i mean it's like 
it's like a, a stick, you right. know, it's, it's like a screwdriver, you know, it's just a real simple, elegant tool. And that's what I was just left scratching my head was why didn't I ever get one of these before? <laughs> right. You think about if you're really, if you do firewood every year and every fall, you're getting your woodshed filled. Think about how many times you have bent down all the way to the ground to pick up a log off of the ground. Yep. <clears throat> Almost every, uh, every, yeah. <laughs> all your rounds are, if you don't have like a, a log buck or a platform, a live deck or something like all your rounds are on the ground. You have to Every bend down, pick them up. One. Yep. And all it takes is to buy one hookeroon. Yep. And all your problems <laughs> are solved. That is, that's what I was saying. I was like, I, 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 I just literally cannot believe that I've never, never got one of these before. Yeah. <laughs> what a great tool. And I don't know, how long has that thing been around? I think it's been around forever, too. I'm not sure. I know I've had mine, I think, going on almost four or five years now. Uh-huh. The one that I have is a company um, called Logrite, and it's aluminum, and it has a spongy, grippy uh, handle to it. You know, it's comfortable. Oh, that thing, I, I usually have it with me everywhere I go. Yep. Mm -hmm. You know, it's interesting that all of these tools that we're kind of talking about, when you think of it, they are all kind of made and designed for everything up to splitting of the round. And after the wood is split, there's not a lot out there to, to assist yeah. with moving your splits around other than a wheelbarrow or, you know, something like that. Then you just kind of get yeah. See, that's there, where your poof machine would come in nice. Like, oh, see a split, nice to have a, poof machine. a split pile of wood and be like, poof, it's stacked. <laughs> you know, when you when you look out in the firewood industry and then you start seeing these gigantic firewood processors, you know, and these professional-grade splitters, and, and, man, those processors are something. You know, like, they're some of them are like $100,000 and up. Yep. Why hasn't anyone ever invented a a stacking machine i know <laughs> you know I've so there are that. some products out there and there has been some creativity from woodhounds you know that are looking they they use those cages from uh, ibc totes if you guys yep so ibc stands for intermediate bulk container it's got like that plastic bladder in it and some you know there's like oil comes in them or food grade sugar you know fructose syrup or anything anything liquid comes in it what people do is they buy them used they throw the bladder away and they use the cage because you can pick it up with a forklift and people will stack their wood into it so people have gotten creative with that they've gotten creative with these gigantic bags, bags. These gigantic yep. sack that have these big loops that you can pick up with a forklift but um, but the one thing is, with both those options, you need another piece of equipment in the shape of a tractor yeah, or a skid steer or so yeah, it's <laughs> and you know a lot of people don't have those things. right. There is a machine that I have always thought was really slick, but I think it too comes with limitations. It's made 
by an Austrian company called Posh. And it's called the Posh Pack Fix. And hmm. your wood gets dumped in. It's just this gigantic barrel. And I mean, like you could stand inside of it and stick your arms out both ways and probably touch each side of the barrel. And it's probably about six foot tall. And you dump all of your wood into this barrel. And it's got this this wrap that's like fishnet. Oh, <laughs> and okay. It, and, yep. it, and, it, and it wraps around the outside of the barrel while you lift the barrel up. And when the barrel comes all the way out, you have a big stack of, uh, you know, a, a loose stack of firewood that's secured with this netting. A contained loose stack. Yeah. And yep. you can pick it up with forklifts and go truck it off and set it somewhere. So, that sounds but, you know, <laughs> very interesting. It is. Yeah. I, yeah. I always thought that that would be something I could use, but I, that's when you start saying, well, you know, you need a forklift and I think you would need to have like a paved lot because I don't know about how strong that netting is. If the right. seams would blow out, blow out if you're driving over bumps and stuff with it. And then yeah. would you, I, would you deliver the wrapped, uh, bag or mesh bag to the customer, or would you open it up and dump Oof. it into your pickup bed? Yeah, I don't know. That probably comes down to what your delivery model is. I know yeah. that I wouldn't. I would probably forklift it up to the back of my truck and then just stack it into the truck off of it. Yep. But that's yeah. just the way we do it. There's yeah. there's all kinds of. <laughs> I, I've never thought solutions. about delivering wood to a customer. Because, you know, like on a pallet, because I wouldn't have any way of taking the pallet off of my Off-loading. truck and setting it. Yeah. And then a lot of customers, too, don't want that. You know, some can put it in their garage, but others, you know, they they have a rack around the back of the house. Yeah. Yeah. So how long did you, how long did you um, work with your pooling and your pickup before you realized that you wanted to uh, upgrade or, you know, Buy, yeah. some, buy something else. <laughs> I went, I think I went three full seasons with my two Poolins and I wore them both out. And I, you know, I had no idea. And I didn't even know what anti-vibe was on chainsaws. And I can still remember my hands buzzing like I had <laughs> a fist full of bees in each hand, you know, after I was done cutting. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I still, so my very first real chainsaw was that 455 Rancher. And now as I set here, you know, like 15 years down the road of this evolution, I got, you know, a world-class firewood processor and, you know, one of the greatest commercial splitters that are out there. The most, and I, I got high levels of guilt, <laughs> the most, the highest level of buyer's remorse that I've ever had with anything in firewood was when I bought that 455 Rancher because it just felt, I, I thought, well, heck, I could buy four of these Walmart Poolins, you know, right. for what I'm buying, putting into one of these chainsaws. But after I started using it, all that feeling went away because <laughs> it's, you know, because then I was like, holy cow, this has got anti-vibe. Now I know what that is. And it was just so much more powerful, so much faster, safer, and, you know, better on, you know, I mean, that's a long-term health effect, you know, is all that buzzing and vibration through your hands and wrists and stuff. But it was still a Husqvarna. 
Yeah, it was Husqvarna. And that was did, from the local you, dealer here in town. Did you know there was a brand called Steel? Never heard of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this place sold Husqvarna's, Echoes, and this other chainsaw known as a Dolmar. Oh, the Dolmar. Yeah. <laughs> Which started a whole new uh chapter in chapter my wood. in your firewood novel yes yeah <laughs> uh-huh what kind of you run steel saws yes I always oh yep else? i've always my dad had steels i my first saw was a steel little 180 um then i went to a 291 and now i have the 500i oh wow <gasps> oh <laughs> is that like the the big one now that they make? That's yep. That's the steel's first uh, fuel injected chainsaw. Oh wow! And it is so I ripper. I don't have any you know modern saw you know with a computer or anything other than just you know a carburetor. But from what I have heard, and that's one of the un, I don't know you know everyone always assumes you know when the, there's emissions and you know, EPA standards put on stuff that it affects their performance. But I understand, is it true that the performance on these modern saws, they're actually more powerful than the old style? Yeah, from what I understand and what I know, which is limited, but from that, <laughs> that is correct. It, I mean, well, for me, going from a 291 up to this 500i is like night and day, the difference in uh -huh. power and response time and just everything. Yeah. So. Yeah, my big saw is the Dolmar 7900. It's an 80cc saw. And I, I used to be all into saws, you know, like the way I used to be into cars. And when I bought it, it was known to be um, the most powerful weight, how do you say that, weight to power ratio saw uh, of all time. Oh. <laughs> I think it lays like 13 pounds, you know, and it is just a... Yep. It is just it is such a powerful, awesome machine. And I still remember I um, had a friend I used to work with. He had a, a, a log. I was up at his place and he was, he had a little, you know, Walmart saw. <laughs> and he said, you know, it takes about a minute to cut through it. And I remember pointing at it and I said, four seconds, <laughs> you know, with my Dolmar. <laughs> and I sure enough, I cut it in half, you know, in like four seconds. And he went out and bought one himself. <laughs> <laughs> nice yeah uh but you know that's what got us started though the big saw a larger bar i was able to cut bigger logs that i would have never even thunk of cutting with my walmart saws and that's that started the ball rolling with the splitters because now and, i had now i had to split wood yep yeah that's um and i guess like you know that's i think where a lot of people out there who are either getting into it for either heating purposes or maybe to sell a little bit. I think that's where, you know, you don't need a lot to get started. You no. Know, that's like I, I said, I you just need a pooling and a pickup truck. That's right. You know? That's all you need. And it, I think that's the appeal to firewood too, because if you really want to sell firewood, just, you know, for a couple bucks on the side, it's really all you need. Right. A pooling and a pickup. And if you want to hand split it, go for it. Yeah. And then to get into the whole, 
you know, venture of splitters and commercial gray. I mean, I think we're going to have to save that for another, another discussion. Yeah. That could be a whole new episode because huh? that's where I, you know, I came to that crossroads of realizing uh, the splitter my dad had and the amount of wood that he burned and the amount of wood that I burned, that splitter was not going to do it. Yeah. So. That, that same, you know, so you, <laughs> your first car could have been a, a Ford Escort, you know, and it's a, it's a great car. It, drives and goes up and down the road and then you can get your mustang 5.0 and it's like a it, you know and it opens up a whole new universe and that same experience that i had from those walmart pooling chainsaws to my rancher is the same thing you know with the splitters too you know these uh 27 ton splitters from from you know home depot or something yep. and then throw in compare it to a commercial grade splitter oh there's no yep. end to it. There's no <laughs> end to it. Same thing with firewood processors too. You know, the same thing. Yeah. You can, <laughs> I think you can get anything you want to pay for. Just, yep. And just like the, <laughs> both types of cars will get you from point A to point B, both types sure. of splitters will get the wood split, but it's a right. completely different experience. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. And that's what I was saying, you know, when uh, that guilt that I had when I bought that 455 Rancher, Cause I was like a, it was like four or $500. And you know, at that time, those poolings at Walmart were $99 each. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, and you, you just run them until they quit. You'd throw away and go buy a new one. Cause they're only a hundred dollars. Right. And here I spent all that money. I still remember how guilty I felt buying that. <laughs> you know, I shouldn't spend way too much money on this saw. Oh, mm -hmm. well, Hey, so uh, I just got some exciting news in here. Uh, it looks like we are actually, I know when we first started out in episode one, we mentioned we were going to do four episodes, but I think if I'm reading this right, it looks like we've got extended. We've extended our uh, podcasting contract and we're going to do some more. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're signed on for another four. So hey, I'm willing to keep at this as uh, long as they'll have us. Yes. Awesome. <laughs> Uh huh. I, we I just want to thank all of the seven people out there that are listening to us right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think the Woodhound Nation is is large and stretches from you know, like I said, all corners of the world. So I think there's a few more listening. I remember my first YouTube videos, <laughs> but yeah, I was, you know, I was thinking I'm just really talking to myself because there will <laughs> no one in this world will ever will ever see this video. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and look at us now yeah look at us now <laughs> so dan are there any other tools out there uh, that we've left off the table we've talked about the poof machine the chainsaw hand tools splitters processors yeah you stacking. know i think for getting started i think we've we've covered everything yeah i think so Maybe throw in a pickup truck, but right. Well, outside of the poof machine, uh, maybe it's time we say goodbye to everyone. Yeah, I think this is a good spot to end. And like, I mean, will there be more conversations on you know advancing from these basic entry level tools into more advanced things like splitters and processors? But for now, yeah, get working on that poof machine. Yeah, wouldn't that be nice? We want to thank everyone 
for joining us and listening to our podcast. It really does mean a lot. And please look for us next week for a new and exciting episode of The Woodhounds. That's right. Thanks again, Woodhounds, for tuning in. And everyone, have a great day. <laughs>